Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. All right, all right. Happy day, happy day. Beautiful day. Hope you had a great week. I was in uh, Texas this week preaching in Antioch, and uh, it reminds me of something funny I heard about Texas. Lots of funny things. Uh, Don't laugh too much. I heard about this wealthy Texas ranch owner who had this massive estate, and he had a pool in which, like any good Texan, he kept an alligator, and he'd have he'd have uh, these big dinner parties, and he would challenge people. He'd say, if anyone can swim across this pool, I'll either give them $10 million, half of my ranch, or my lovely daughter's hand in marriage. And, you know, dinner party after dinner party, no one would take him up on it. And then he's having the biggest dinner party he's ever had, and he steps up and, and gives that proposition again and instantly there's a splash and a guy in this slick business suit is just speeding across the pool and flies out of the pool right when the alligator thuds into the wall and everyone's going whoa and he walks over and he goes my word man you're the first to ever do it so what do you want you want the 10 million dollars you want a half the estate or do you want my daughter's hand in marriage the man looks and goes I don't want any of that I just want to know who pushed me in the pool All right, speaking of hope, let's jump into our hope series. <laughs> Ephesians is the book we've been in. Ephesians 2, verse 12, says this, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And we established in our first sermon of this series that God is hope. I saw that illustrated so clearly in this Monday night service I was preaching at. A young woman comes up to me following the message in the ministry time. There was all great things going on in, in, the, in the front, but this girl walks up to me with a really distraught face, and she's crying. And she looks at me, and she goes, I just want God to take me home. I just want God to take me home. And I, I said, do you mean you, you want to die? And she goes, yeah, the pain's too great. I just want to die. And immediately, the Holy Spirit started speaking to my heart that this girl actually doesn't know Jesus. And so I said, well, let me ask you a question. If you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? She goes, I don't know. I don't know. I, I go, how long have you been coming to this church? She goes, just two weeks. And I said, let me ask you this. Do you, do you believe this message that Jesus died on the cross for you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do, do you believe that he rose from the dead? She goes, I, I do believe that. I said, are you ready to give him your life right now? Ask him to come into your heart? She said, yeah, I'm ready. So we pray right there. She asked the Lord to come into her life. And immediately after that, I sensed the Spirit saying, you need to command a, a spirit of hopelessness to leave her. 
and I actually had her do it. I said, you know, Jesus has just come in your life. You tell a spirit of hopelessness to leave you right now. She goes, I, I just tell any spirit of hopelessness to leave me right now. And I said, now ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. She goes, I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. And instantly, no coaching, no explanation of this, her face goes from grief-stricken to this, this place of peace. Then the smile starts breaking out across her face. And she finally looks up. And I go, you don't have to die to have hope. God is the God of hope, and he's filling you. And she just gives me this huge hug. And I thought, that's it. The, the Bible says that when we're in the world without God, we don't have hope. But when we receive Jesus into our lives, he is hope. And I, I just want to tell you that that's the foundation here. But, but then last week, we heard Dan Bauman that came. Wasn't that awesome last week for you that were here? Dan, I, I, he already had this crazy story of being imprisoned in Iran and getting beat and having a death sentence over his life. And then God miraculously delivers him from that. And then you're like, if that's not enough to happen in one person's life, then this past year he falls 30 feet from a cliff, lands on his head, loses 60% of his blood. He's paralyzed, legs not moving, arms not moving, can't even speak. And then God delivers him from that. Like what we saw last week is that God delivers us from hopeless situations. And that's what I want to dive into this morning is hope in hopeless circumstances. That's the theme we're going to talk about, hope in hopeless circumstances. Because I, I, I want to tell you, point one is this. Oftentimes, God allows his people to be in seemingly hopeless circumstances. Oftentimes, God allows his people to be in seemingly hopeless circumstances. I'm not saying that God causes them, but I am saying that as you look at Scripture, oftentimes the people of God who are trying to follow him actually find themselves in hopeless circumstances. We're going to look at, at, at a prototype of this morning. Ephesians 2 talks about the citizenship among the people of Israel and the covenant promises of God. I want to talk about the the original forefather that the people of Israel came from who was given an, a promise of God and study his life because he's going to serve a, as a lesson for us in understanding how God walks his people through hopeless circumstances. If you'd look with me at Romans chapter 4 today, this is an actual Old Testament character. His name is Abraham. But we have some New Testament commentary on his life. So spoiler alert, we're going to read the end of the story first. Romans 4, verse 18, it says, against all hope. Say, against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I love that it says he faced the facts. Sometimes we think as believers that we have to have this kind of Pollyanna optimism, that we just don't face the facts. You're, you're, you're coughing up along, you're like, <coughs> I'm not sick. <coughs> you know, because I can't say that. 
Or, you know, you look at your bank account and you're overdrawn and you're like, oh, I have plenty of money in the Lord, right? The, 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 the Bible says that Abraham actually faced the facts. Do you know it's not a lack of faith to face the facts? It's what you do when you're facing the facts. The, the Bible says it so clearly. It's like Abraham was as good as dead, right? He's 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was dead, right? Th th this is a bummer situation. Why? Because they have this destiny to become the father and mother of a nation. In fact, they had been told they're going to have this great multitude of, of family members following them, and now he's 100, and it hasn't happened. So they're looking at this fact that seems like a hopeless circumstance. I think probably many of us in this room today are looking down the barrel at a hopeless circumstance. You're, you're thinking, there's no way out of this financial situation I'm in, or my body is racked with pain and sickness, or my marriage is in disrepair, and I can't ever see being united with my spouse, or my child is too far from the Lord, and I don't see how they could ever come back. And, and you're looking at these hopeless situations. Let's just look at Abraham's life today to understand how to operate in hopeless situations. First of all, point number one, if point number one was God allows his people to be in hopeless circumstances, point number two is Abraham was willing to go on a journey of faith into the unknown. Abraham was willing to go into a journey of faith in the unknown. Genesis 12:1 says, the Lord God had said to Abraham, or Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Did God tell him the specific place he was going? Three of you have read the story. No, the answer is no. <laughs> he was called out into a journey of the unknown. I want to tell you that God wants to walk us through hopeless circumstances. He wants to give us hope in hopeless circumstances, but we have to do it God's way. And God's way is a journey into the unknown. He doesn't always spell it out. I can't tell you that it's going to be easy, right? For Abraham, this journey wasn't easy. Sometimes we think, if I just follow God, everything in life is going to be easy. <laughs> I can't promise you it's going to be easy. What I can promise you that it's going to be fruitful, I can't promise you it's going to be easy, but I can promise you it's going to be impacting. I can't promise you that it's going to be easy, but I can promise you that it's going to be abundant, the abundant life. I don't see an easy life in the stories of Abraham, Noah, Jonah, David, Esther, Paul, Jesus. But I see the power of God. Point number three. Abraham honored the Lord's presence and his visitation in the hopeless circumstance. Let's look at this specific story. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our time camping out. Genesis chapter 18. I, I love this story. It's fascinating. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up 
and he saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you, shall, you may wash your feet and rest under this tree. And let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seeds of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds yum, and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. I, I, I want to give you some sub points from this story here because this is, is fascinating. Uh, Oftentimes, in our hopeless situations, that is where God visits us. So Abraham and Sarah are living in this reality of like, we're getting old, and we don't have a kid. And it's there that God visits. And side note, how does he visit? He visits in three forms or three manifestations. This is an early glimpse of the Trinity, Trinity means the triune God, God three in one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you that in your hopeless situations is often where you start having an understanding of who God is better than ever before because you're so desperate for him. So in our hopeless situations, it's often where we encounter the Father heart of God. Have you ever noticed that Oftentimes, it's in our places of greatest pain that when someone steps in and is loving to us that we appreciate it the most. Like we can receive love the most when we're hurting the most. And so I've noticed in my hopeless situations, that's when I often feel closest to God as a father. Or it's when I feel closest to Jesus as my friend who sticks closer than a brother. Or it's in a hopeless circumstance where the Holy Spirit comes with his supernatural power. Can I tell you that hopeless circumstances are an opportunity for you to get to know God better? And that's what was happening in the life of Abraham. Now, here's what I see that Abraham does because we want to learn from his life. Abraham, when, when the Lord comes he leaps up. It says he actually goes out to him. He, he runs to him and he bows down low. You know, the, the second God comes, he's honoring that visitation. You know, sometimes I think in church that we're like, you know, if the worship gets good enough, maybe then I'll raise my hands. You know, like, ooh, that's good. Okay, that's, you know, that's like a 20 degree worship right there, Stephen. <laughs> And, oh, yeah, that song, that's how, oh, Alicia, yeah, that's pretty good, right? Oh, okay, now, okay, okay, you got me, you got me. That's not Abraham. Like, he just sees him coming, and he's like, whoa, and bows down, right? He was quick to bow down. Let me just ask you, are you quick to respond? Well, what I noticed about Abraham is that he was really good at hosting God's presence, what else does he do? do? He, he goes and says, hey, get the finest flour and let's make something. He, 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 is, he is wanting to bless God. Many of us just want God to minister to us. We're hoping that God bails us out. No, Abraham's heart was to minister to the Lord. 
Let me just ask you, when, when you come to church, are you just saying, you know, I hope they do something. I hope, I hope Stephen plays out one song because when it does, it gives me like goose pimples, you know? And, and, you know, I hope Robert says some funny jokes and says something that's powerful. And, and, and that's fine and good, but I want to know who's actually coming to minister to the Lord. I thought I'd get more amens, like, that you want, you're going, God, I want to bless you. It's not just, I know you bless me, but I want to bless you. And he, he doesn't even stop there. Then he goes out and gets the choice cow. Like he goes and gets the best. Right? He, he wants to give God the best. This is how we can be. And I know this because this is how I have been. Lord, if you bail me out of this one, then I'll serve you. Right? God, if you rescue, God, my finances, oh my gosh, if you just bail me out, then I'll give you my life. Right? That's not Abraham. In the midst of the hopeless situation, God hadn't bailed him out. And he's like, God, you, I, just your presence is enough. I want to bless you. I'm going to give you my finest flower. I'm going to give you my best cow. I'm going to even give you my curds, Lord. Right? This is, this is powerful. Point four. Before I say point four. Let, Abraham didn't want God to just intervene in his hopeless situation. He wanted God to come and abide with him. Like, did you see that? He, he actually set up a place for them to come and sit and rest. Do we want God to just rescue me, or do you want God to rest with me? Oh, tweet that. That's not in the notes. Do you want God to just rescue me or to rest with me? Ooh. Title of a book right there. All right, <clears throat> point number four. He received a promise from the Lord about his impossible situation. This is really cool. Genesis 18, nine through 10. The Lord says, where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. Uh, They're in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. This is, this is amazing. This is a promise of a miracle. Sarah's in her 90s, and he's speaking a promise about an impossible situation. I want to tell you, it's in our impossible circumstances that often God gives us a promise of the miraculous. I, I've had this happen numerous times. One of the times was in something that seemed hopeless. I remember feeling from God that we were supposed to own a home in San Diego. And when we moved here, homes here compared to homes where we came from were eight times the amount of money. And then in the first six years of us living here, we had to move 12 times, 12 times. It was very painful. I know you're thinking, yeah, that's a cool biblical number. It's not cool when it happens to you, okay? So, I mean, we, we couldn't even find a rent house. Oftentimes, we were sleeping on people's couches, and God speaks, you're going to own a home and a piece of land in San Diego. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is so challenging. Susie Pearson, wonderful woman of God in this church, sends us a, 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 a link to a house online. She goes, I think this might be your house. Hey, there's Susie. Thank you so much, by the way. <laughs> and, and so we research it. And it's an impossible situation. They're like, don't even touch it. There's a hundred pages uh, of, of legal litigation and a cloud over the title. It's in the court system. And, and, and the house was built. It was worth so much. We're like, there's just no way. And 
the Lord speaks to us. That's your house. I have this vision where I clearly understand that is my house. So we start chasing after it, month after month. We actually go and we'll sit in the back of courtrooms and there was this unrighteous lawyer deal and there's all these problems and it's just looking impossible. And then, and then God. A woman from Seattle has no idea what's going on. She goes, hi, Robert, haven't talked to you in years. I wonder what's going on in your life. I thought you might be trying to buy, uh, buy a house right now. I got my attention. I said, hello. She goes, if you are, it, I think it's an impossible situation. I saw this house surrounded by mountains. That's what my house is like. She goes, God broke through and gave you that house. And when he did, you had authority in the city that's greater because you owned a piece of San Diego. I was going, oh my goodness, I needed that because we had chased it for months, 18 months of chasing this home. In a day, the court throws the case out, the bank calls, asks if we want the house. My realtor, my mortgage banker, and my home inspector said, we've never seen anything like this happen. This is a miracle. We own the house now. For about a third less than it was built for, and now it's not only a blessing to my family, but we get to tell the story to everyone who comes over. And you, by the way. <laughs> God wants to give you promises in your hopeless circumstances. God's a God who gives promises in hopeless circumstances. Now, let's go to my favorite part of the story. Because this is going to show you just how human Abraham and Sarah were. Verse 10 now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. So Sarah's like kind of hiding, you know, like her ear on the flap of the tent, you know. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Thank you. We know that. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Now, Sarah, you've you got to understand, when you read this story, it's not like Sarah was a spring chicken, right? This is, she's in her 90s. This is your great-grandma calling you, hi, I'm pregnant. You know, this is freaky. <laughs> Sarah's like great grandma hey! and you know and then she hears the word you're going to be pregnant so what does she do she does probably what we would do so Sarah laughed to herself <laughs> and she says after I'm worn out my lord is old will I now have this pleasure <laughs> then the lord said to Abraham why did Sarah laugh and say will I really have this child now that I'm old is there anything too hard for the Lord? I want you to underline that. I want you to highlight it. I want you to circle it. I want you to say it. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You just need to speak that over your circumstance today. You're looking at your marriage. You're going, man, this is awful. And then you say, no. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You look at your finances and go, they stink. You go, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You're looking at your body and go, man, it is jacked up. You say, but is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Verse 15, watch this. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. <laughs> but he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> it's like straight up, like schoolroom. Like, 
Jehovah school teacher. I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. This is so funny to me, right? Arguing with God about laughing. I love this, point five. Abraham and Sarah didn't walk out the journey perfectly. I'm like, thank you, God, for putting this in the Bible. Because I don't always feel like I walk out the journey perfectly. So many times we're like, I've got to, I, I, I felt like, let me just confess, I have felt like this before. Like, I know, God, you're a God of promises. I know you're going to speak a promise. I know you're a God of the miraculous, but I have to walk it out perfectly or it won't happen. Have you ever felt that way before? Is that not what we learned last week with, with Eric and Kelly Trimble? You know, we, we put people in this box. We put Abraham and Sarah, we're like, they are the patriarch and matriarch of faith. They are Bible characters. Dun, dun, dun. And so they're perfect. So Eric and Kelly get up, and they're talking. If you remember, they're the couple who shared before Dan Bauman, and they've been missionaries in Greece to the Syrians who were refugees, and they share this amazing story of miracles happening continually in the refugee tents. And they're sharing of two dozen Muslims who come to know Jesus. And you're looking at them, and what we can do is go, but you are missionaries. Dun, dun, dun. And God is saying, no, I use normal people who don't even do it perfectly. So that's why I had Eric and Kelly come in August and share about their life before they left because they would have been the first to say, we are very broken. We have struggled. Kelly shared the story of her brother committing suicide and it's sending her into a very dark place of despair and pain. And then subsequently their marriage was really rocked by it and in a great place of, of pain and brokenness. And it wasn't because they were perfect. But you know what they did? They faced the facts, they got real, and they asked for help. Like they, they, they faced the facts, they didn't just say, oh no, everything's perfect. They were like, we're in trouble and we need help. Uh, guys, that, that is what community is all about. Like can I just say, you don't have to be perfect here, right? That's why we say get rocked. We want you to actually have an encounter with God. Get real. Get real in community. Be real. Don't come in and act like you have it all together. Because we, we actually know you're human, so you don't. Okay, I, I don't. We don't have it all together, so we get real. That's why we get in life groups, so we can actually be known. You can fake it here with hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, get behind your coffee cup and have your hair all nicely done or the lack of hair all nicely done. And you just walk around, hey, you know. But then you get real in life group, right, and you're actually sitting there and, and you actually, you know, no, it, it hasn't been a, a good week because this is, my, you know, I'm having this problem or, yeah, I'm, I, we're in, my wife and I are in this fight or, yeah, our kids are struggling. And what happens when you do that? You humble yourself. And the Bible says, if you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, he'll lift you up. And, and what happens when you're in community? The Bible says, if you confess your sins one to another, then you'll be healed. So you start humbling yourself. You start reaching out for help. And people start surrounding you, and you get transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the body of Christ. So I, I, I love that these guys didn't do it right. That they messed up, that Abraham and Sarah, guys, not only did she laugh at God's promise, then she lied to God, 
But if you remember a couple chapters earlier, she had this great idea. She's like, okay, <clears throat> I'm not getting pregnant, so like, this is awesome. I'm, I have this woman, and I'm going to give her to my husband, and he'll get her pregnant. Great idea. Hello, sin, sick. What's wrong? You right. Hello, like desperate housewife right there, right? <laughs> Don't watch that show, by the way. The amazing thing is, God still works in their lives. Why? Because of this word called grace. Right? What's grace? It's unmerited favor. Do you know that when you stepped into the family of God, all of a sudden you attracted unmerited favor onto your life? There's this unmerited favor. Now, I'm not saying that this means you can live any way you want. No, we want to align ourselves. That's why we're studying this story. But I can tell you, just because you haven't done it perfectly last week doesn't mean you can't realign yourself with God and say, God, I need hope in this hopeless circumstance, and you're the God of hope. That's what he wants to do. So what happens? Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21 says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. You see that word? Gracious. That comes from the word grace. Can I just tell you, as I look over this room, that the word over your lives today is grace. God is a God of grace. He wants to pour out his grace on us if we'll just hold on to him. The Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. You get a promise from the Lord, and you hold on, and don't hit the ejection seat. God will do what he has promised. You know that you are the only person who can step away from the promises of God. If God gives you a promise, no other person can derail that promise. And he certainly won't derail that promise. He is faithful. He did what he had promised. Verse 2, Sarah became pregnant. Awesome! Great-grandma became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. It wasn't the time they wanted. You know, from their first promise, they got the first promise when they were 25. You know how old Abraham was when he had the son? A hundred that's 25 years, folks. But it was the time that God had promised. What does this tell me? Point six, final point. Through Abraham and Sarah's life, we learn that God is a God of miracles in hopeless situations. God is God of hope in hopeless circumstances. God loves to do miracles on behalf of those who wait on him. This is who God is is. I love this quote. Everyone wants a miracle, but no one wants to be in a situation where you have to have one. <laughs> Everyone wants a miracle. Oh, God, I want a miracle. And then we're in a situation where we have to have a miracle. And we're like, no, this is awful. And God's saying, no, no. This is what the Bible is all about. It's a, a book of stories where people were in hopeless circumstances and then I came as the God of hope and gave them a miracle. And why does that happen? Because God gets the glory. Because people say only God could have done that. Only God could have healed you. 
Only God could have restored your marriage. Only God could have delivered you from your addiction. Only God could have provided that kind of money. Only God could have lifted you up in the workplace when everyone else was pushing you down. Only God could have brought that mental clarity because your whole life you had had a mental issue. Are you following me? God delivers us from these hopeless circumstances and then God gets the glory and we get the relationship. Oh, I want to tell you, God wants to speak today in our hopeless circumstances. Why don't we stand up, church? God wants to release his word as we just say, God, come and dwell with us. Would you just close your eyes right now? I believe that God wants to give promises in hopeless circumstances right now. Those promises are what we hold on to. Is anything too hard for the Lord, is what Scripture says. Is anything. You just look at your hopeless circumstance right now in your mind. And I just want to encourage you to look at it, whatever it is. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be physical. It might be spiritual. It might be emotional. I want you to look at that hopeless circumstance, and I want you to say to it, is anything too hard for the Lord? You just declare that over your hopeless circumstance right now. Some of you families, you're, you're believing for a, a prodigal child who's wandered far from the faith to come back and, and you feel hopeless. Just say, is anything too hard for the Lord? Some of you have broken marriages. Your spouse isn't even in the room. You just say, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now let's just ask God to speak to us. God of hope, I'm asking now that you'd be, bring promises of hope in hopeless circumstances. You just wait quietly. Might come as an impression in your mind. Might come as an image. Might come as a word. It might come as a, a verse you've heard before. It just comes up. And while we're doing that, just want you to keep your eyes closed because there's some people I imagine that are in this room that you're not sure that you've met the God of hope and like that girl in the beginning story of my message today is the day for the God of hope to come in to your life you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die I want to tell you if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you you pray to him he'll actually come in and he'll forgive your sins and he'll fill your heart if you need that today, if you want to start your relationship with the God of hope, you need Jesus to enter into your life. Just pray with me. Just pray these words right after me. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I could be a new creation.